what you say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. Good morning, Longview Point. So glad that you are here to worship with us in this very different format. 
But we are here, and we are here to worship the Lord and to make much of Jesus. My name is Jason Ford, and I'm the missions pastor here and want to welcome you. I hope you're comfortable there wherever you are joining us today. And uh, we want to just continue to meet together again in this different format and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You did not receive a bulletin, I don't imagine, on the way in, but and there's nothing to tear off, but we have ways for you to connect with us through our website, through our social media. I would encourage you to continue to check in on those things, check in on the website, be looking for updates through our social media uh, with different things that are going on. Also, I do want to mention connect groups. We have connect groups still meeting. We had our connect group last night at our home and over Zoom. People didn't come into our house in person, but there on the screen of that computer, we had one of our largest connect groups and even had first-time guests. So there are still opportunities to connect in some creative ways through our connect groups, and I would encourage you to call, uh, check the website, find out ways about how you could get in on one of those groups. Also, loving our neighbors. In the midst of being called and encouraged towards isolation and social distancing, we have opportunities to stay connected and to spiritually encourage and be salt and light and point people to Jesus. And we're going to have a thousand of these little cards, little long viewpoint cards available on Monday that are going to be scattered on some desks as you come in the front doors of our church and keep your distancing. But you can come in and get one of those cards or a little stack of those cards. And there are people in your life close to you, maybe from work, uh, friends from school, people in your family that need a word of encouragement, need some scripture that could speak to them in a time like this, and, and let them know about online worship services, but take that opportunity to get those cards and to take the time to connect with people in that way. And those are going to be available on Monday here at our church. Also, if you have prayer requests, we have set up an uh, email at, that is prayer at longviewpoint.org, prayer at longviewpoint.org. If there are prayer needs that you have, praises that you want to send to us, we as a church staff are committed to continuing to pray for the needs in the body of this church. And so you can communicate in that way. And if you're a guest joining us this morning online, I would encourage you to call our church office. Get in touch with us so that we can connect with you. We want to know ways that we can serve you. Uh, again, pray for you. Have conversations that uh, may need to be have. Uh, we want to connect with you in that way. Um, also, can I just say that um, as you may be feeling some fear or anxiety, I don't know, you might wake up or read an article and just begin to, to feel that anxiety cropping up in your heart. And I would just encourage you, if that happens, take your Bible and open it up to Psalm 23. Read about your shepherd who loves you. Or turn to Philippians chapter 4. And read some verses in there about what we can do with our anxiety. How we need to pray. And the incredible peace that is available to us even in times like this. We're going to continue to worship. I want you to just worship at, as, with us from home as you're comfortable doing. I, I hope that there's some people singing in their living rooms today. 
And uh, we're going to continue in that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to turn it back over and uh, be encouraged by some worship and teaching from the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, you're good. You are not bound. You are not quarantined. You are not limited. You are sovereign. You're in control. Your mercy is enough. Your grace is enough for us. Lord, we trust you. We love you. We want you to do a fresh work in our lives, in our families, in our community, in this nation, and in this world. Lord, we need to be, we desire to be a people of prayer. And so we come to you asking for you to do great and powerful things in the midst of what the world sees as chaos and things falling apart. Lord, we are so thankful for a risen Savior, all-conquering, all-powerful, whose name is Jesus. And it's in his great and glorious name that we pray. Amen.
bless you this morning. We thank you for who you are. Lord, we put our complete trust in you. Lord, we will have no fear, Lord, because perfect love casts out all fear. You give light. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lives. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath. Your breath. 
Sing this with me. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great.
Lord, we thank you for that blood, Lord, that made possible for us to be children of God. We bless you. We love you. And we just want to tell you this morning that we love you. and We thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've done, all that you are, Father. We, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we turn together in our Bibles to this morning's passage, I just want to kind of update you as to where we are. Uh, on Tuesday of this week, I finally began to feel as though we weren't just reacting to everything that's going on in the world around us, but actually being proactive with regard to ministry. I want to encourage you that in spite of our being isolated, practicing social distancing, that's a a phrase that's new on all of us, but one that we've become quite familiar with over the past several days, that the call of the Great Commission still, it, it's the foundation of who we are. It's in our DNA as, as a body. And I, I hope that you're looking for creative ways at connecting with those around you, people within your circle of influence, that you're being faithful to communicate the promise of the gospel in this, in this crazy time. I think there's a significant portion of our population who are legitimately afraid right now. And, and there's a significant portion of our population who perhaps as a result of that fear have had their hearts conditioned to hear the gospel in a way that they have not before. So be creative. And I want you to know that some things are beginning to come together finally for us as a church staff, putting together some things that will afford us opportunities for connecting with our community 
even through uh, what we've been experiencing over the past days and what I would assume we'll continue to experience to uh, a greater or lesser degree over the next weeks and potentially even months. Know that we are praying for you. Know that we are here and until something changes that would prevent us from doing so. Uh, the church staff is continuing to come in. Um, obviously, if there's a sickness or anything that arises, um, we're encouraging staff to stay home, in fact, requiring them uh, to stay home. Uh, one of our pastors had a sick child today, and so he's home and, and will be home until uh, that passes for his family. Uh, but for the most part, we are here, and we are praying for you, and we are anxious for opportunities to be of service to you, and we want you to know uh, that, that not only are you not burdening us by reaching out, that it would be our delight to, to receive a call or a text or an email that uh, shares with us some need that perhaps has come up in your life. It would be our joy to serve you in any way possible. Um, stay up with social media feeds and check your inboxes for Longview Point uh, emails and make sure that you're kept aware of what the Lord is doing here we're going to continue to get things out to you on an everyday basis. Under normal circumstances, it would feel like information overload. But I think that increase in what we're sending out and posting on social media is uh, probably consistent with uh, it's proportionate to the amount of time that you're spending on social media versus a couple of weeks ago. Uh, many people spending many hours there keeping up with what's going on in the world around us with a situation that is changing on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. I do want you to know um, that it feels really good to be in this pulpit and it feels really good to be in this room and it felt really good to come in and hear John and Shannon and our musicians uh, getting ready for this morning's service and I, I know that on the day that we're finally able to be back together again in this room to worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth it's going to be a sweet sweet day and uh, until we're able to do that I, I hope that there is a growing sense of anticipation and, and yearning and jealousy to be back together as a fellowship of believers in the presence of our Savior under the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of David in Psalm 46 when he says, My soul thirsts for you, O God, as the deer pants for living water. My soul thirsts for you. And David reflects on those opportunities he had to worship with his brothers uh, in, in the temple, in, in the context of a, a gathered uh, congregation of God's people. My, my soul likewise thirsts for that kind of experience, and I trust yours does as well. I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and I want to look this morning at verses 12 through 14. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I'll remind you sort of, of from whence we've come. We had an introduction to the message that, that John intends to share with his congregation in verses 1 through 4. It was essentially the gospel. John says what we heard from the beginning, what we saw with our eyes, what we observed and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. We have seen it. We testify to it and we declare it to you. The one who was with the Father has come and dwelt in our midst. We, we share with you. We give testimony to the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Verses 5 and following, John warns the church about living a life that's inconsistent with their confession of faith. 
He says, no one can say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, for God is light, and in him there is no darkness. In verse 8, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In verse 10 of chapter 1, John says, we don't, if we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. In, in chapter 2 and verse 1, John says, I'm writing these things to you in order that you might not sin. And John speaks with a certain degree of severity in the passages and the verses leading up to our text this morning. If we were to pluck 1 John 1, 1 through chapter 2, verse number 11 out of its context and read that isolated from the remainder of 1 John, we might come to the conclusion that John is somehow suggesting that there are some within the body which he's addressing here who are not truly believers. But in its context, specifically context provided by verses 12 through 14, we find that that's not the case at all. In fact, John says, I'm writing to you to remind you of who you are. That in the event that you are living in a manner that is inconsistent with our confession of faith, you'd be reminded that your actions are out of character. That that is not who you are in Jesus. In fact, join me in reading in verses 12 through 14. John says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have had victory over the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you've come to know the Father. I've written to you, fathers, because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. John says, in essence, in verses 12 through 14, this is who you are. You may, for a season, have been walking in a way that's out of step with who you are by confession and by faith, but at the end of the day, this is who you are. It occurred to me this week that John was, in all likelihood, a very good pastor. When I think about the ministry of Jesus, I, I, I think of him as he describes himself as the good shepherd. Jesus had the ability to speak sharply with some degree of severity against sin, and at the same time in a loving, compassionate, and merciful way towards sinners. He knew when the rebuke was appropriate and when to call the little children unto him. John, the beloved disciple, seems to have the same knack for good shepherding. John exhorts and encourages the church against the things of this world. There are severe warnings in our passage. Even in verse 15, immediately following the text that we read, John warns, don't love the world or the things that belong to the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything that belongs to the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's life is not from the Father, but is from the world. In verse 18, he warns against the Antichrist, saying, Children, the last hour is coming, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. We know from this that it is the last hour. John is warning them severely about the prevalence and the presence of evil in the world around them. Here in verses 12 through 14, and he revisits this theme again later, John simply says with some force, 
There's rhetorical flourish about the way John says what he says in verses 12 through 14. This is who you are in Jesus. In the face of many antichrists having gone out into the world, in the face of great opposition to the gospel, even in the face of your frequent failures, John says, this is who you are in Jesus. He reinforces this idea in verse 21 of chapter 2. He says, I have not written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the truth, and because no lie comes from the truth. John says the issue with the church, with his congregation, is not that they don't know the truth. He seeks to remind them that they do know the truth, that they do know Jesus, that they enjoy certain privileges because of their faith in Jesus. And we have continued through our exposition of 1 John in spite of all that's swirling in the world around us. But I can't think of a more fitting word for the church of Jesus Christ than a very simple, straightforward reminder of who we are in Jesus in spite of what's happening around us, in spite of the fact that, that, that there is a world of anti-Christian influence, in spite of the fact that there is great opposition to the gospel, in spite of the fact that there are natural obstacles that must now be overcome for gospel advancement that we have never encountered before. In spite even of our frequent failures, this is who we are in Jesus. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in the knowledge that God is unchanging. And his promises for me have not been turned by COVID-19, nor will they be turned by any earthly calamity that might overtake us. John addresses his congregation as little children, as fathers, and then as young men. There's a tense change that happens along the way. There's a lot of moving parts in these few verses. But, but much of what we see here is, is really, it really has a rhetorical function. If you're looking for a great deal of reason as to why it is that tense changes are happening in our passage, or for the transition from children to, little, uh, to young people to fathers is happening in our passage, it's, it's, a rhetoric. it's a rhetorical thing. It's intended to communicate with some strength to make what John says here memorable for his audience. Again, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus' name. John here introduces this first feature of who we are in Jesus, a people who have received the forgiveness of our sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, our sins have been forgiven. Apart from Jesus, there is no forgiveness for our sin. But as the little children of the kingdom of God, given what Christ has done for us at the cross, our sin has been atoned for. Our transgressions, our frequent failures have been forgiven by the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven of our sin. When you put all of that into perspective, all of what's happening around us into perspective, the forgiveness of our sin makes everything all right. Ultimately and finally, we are all passing away at some point in time. Our life is but a vapor. Our life is a wisp of smoke on a windy day, windy day. It may be here today, but it will quickly be gone. Indeed, it may be gone tomorrow. 
What we've experienced over the past few days puts what James warns us against into perspective. He says, don't say tomorrow I will go to such and such a place and do this or that. Instead, we should say, if the Lord wills. Indeed, we should say of every day, if the Lord wills, we'll go to this place or do this or that. One day, all of mankind is going to stand before the judgment bar of God. We can stand before his judgment with great confidence Because our sins have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. This is really remarkable. It's difficult sometimes as the preacher to press the weight that has been lifted by the forgiveness of our sin. We have a feeling of invincibility, a sense of immortality. We feel as though we can be uh, untouchable in some way. If, if nothing else has been gained from the past few days or from the days that lie yet ahead for us, it is the reminder that it's provided us of our own mortality, that there will come a day when we stand before the great judge, a, a day of great fear and danger, but for the forgiveness of sin that we find in Jesus. The first feature of who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of our sin by the blood of of Jesus. In verse 13, John says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I think that this is a reference to Jesus, given the way John speaks of the character of Jesus, the person of Jesus. In verse 1, he says, what was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've observed and touched, and he's transitioning into a conversation about the personal life of Jesus Christ. Here he says, you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. This is reinforced later in verse number 14, but there's an addition to this idea in the beginning of verse 14 where John says, I have written to you children because you have come to know the Father. An additional feature of our having come to know Jesus, an additional feature of our place in Christ, of who we are as Christians, is that we've come to know both the Father and the Son. We know the Father through the Son. We know the Son to be the invisible, the, the expressed image of the invisible God. Because of who we are in Christ, we can say with confidence that we know the God of heaven. A really remarkable thing. I'd like for you to rehearse in your memory for a moment, if you would, what you know of God, who you know God to be, and the the stabilizing effect it has in this topsy-turvy world. The stability that we find in God, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That in him there is no change, no shadow, no variation. God has not turned course. God has not forsaken us or abandoned us. He is steady. He is constant in our life. You can't trust the next five minutes. You can't trust much in this world anymore, but you can trust the steady hand of a faithful God in your life. Because of who we are in Christ, we know Father and Son to be a faithful and steady presence. We know God to be the sovereign Lord over all the earth. I've shared with you before the encouragement that I take from the absolute sovereignty of God over my life. To to know that come what may, God is on the throne of heaven. 
And you may look to the 24-hour news cycle and be less than encouraged at what you see in certain leaders. You may find their counsel, their advice, their insights to be less than beneficial. There may even be change over the course of this crisis in terms of world leadership. I, I suspect that will for sure be the case. We'll see all kinds of upheaval and turmoil and turnover on the world stage. But God will not abandon the throne of heaven. A steady hand that guides the course of our life. Knowing the end from the beginning. None of this has taken him by surprise. It may confound our mind. We may not understand how viruses run their course or why certain things happen the way that they do. But we can rest assured that an all-seeing and omniscient God in heaven has a perfect plan that he's unfolding before our very eyes. Already we're beginning to see ways that the church is being helped and encouraged through all that we've experienced and will experience in the days ahead. Rest in who you know our faithful Father to be. Rest in the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, John says, in spite of what's happening around you, in spite of your faults and failures, know that this is who you are. You are one forgiven of your sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are one who knows both the Father and the Son through the blood of Jesus Christ. John says, I've written to you children because your sins are forgiven. I've written to you fathers because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you young men because you have had victory over the evil one. In Christ, because of who you and I are in Christ. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has washed over our soul. Because we have been freed from sin's bondage. Because we were once dead in sins and trespasses, but now made alive in Christ Jesus. Because he took our place and rose again. You have victory over the evil one. I think sometimes the world operates under the impression that there's this great battle in the cosmos. God and the devil are duking it out. And sometimes Satan wins and COVID-19 happens. And sometimes God wins and good things happen. But that is not at all the way the cosmos operates. In fact, the victory has been secured for us. We may be bearing with these temporary sufferings, but rest assured that the sufferings that we endure in the present are not fit to be compared with the glory that awaits us in Christ Jesus. We are not anticipating Jesus overcoming the world at some point in the distant future or even the near future for that matter. Christ has overcome the world. The death blow was struck at the cross when Jesus cried, it is finished. And the sentence was punctuated with a great exclamation when the stone rolled away and Christ walked forth. Think of Think of our Savior. We have a Lord who used to be dead, who now lives and rules and reigns, who has achieved the victory and conveyed that victory to all who would trust and believe in his name. Because of who you are in Christ, your sins are forgiven. You know the Father and the Son, and you have victory over the evil one. Verse 14, John continues, he sort of brings this all together. He says, I have written to you children because you've come to know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you've come to know the one who is from the beginning. And I've written to you young men because you're strong. 
Because God's word remains in you, and you have had victory over the evil one. Now, there are a couple of introductions to verse 14. Most of what John says there is uh, the repetition of previously enforced or put forth truths concerning who we are, namely that our sins are forgiven, that we know the Father and the Son, that we have victory over the evil one. But the additions come near the end where John says to young men, I have written to you because you are strong. You do know, believer, that because of who you are in Jesus, that you are strong. Not because you have a natural bent towards strength, not not because you have within yourself a, a level of sufficiency or adequacy that can help you to get through the challenges and the difficulties of life. That's, that's not at all the answer. You're not strong because you have... A, a, a lot of self-resolve or a spirit of determination. You're strong because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded of, of our strength. It's really not our own, but it's appropriate to speak in these terms. As John speaks in these terms, he says to them, with all that's swirling around you, with all that's going on, with all of the challenges to your faith, challenges to the gospel, You need to know that you bear a certain strength as a follower of Jesus, a strength that is strange and far into this world, a strength that sustains us even through the darkest of days. There are times when we feel as though we're weak, and and certainly there is a weakness about us. The spirit is ever willing and the flesh is ever weak. But I, I wonder if there aren't some of you this morning who simply need to be reminded of the strength that you have in Jesus and to be encouraged to avail yourself of that strength by the Spirit. John says, I am writing to you, young men, because you're strong and because God's word remains in you. This is the fifth and final feature of our position in Christ that John speaks to here. He says, your sins are forgiven. You know the Father. You have victory over the evil one. You are strong and God's word remains in you. When everything else is stripped away, there is the strength of the Spirit, the promise that Christ has overcome the world, the forgiveness of our sin, the intimate knowledge that we have of the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the abiding presence and power of God's word in our life. The grass withers and its flower fades away, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We are strengthened and sustained by the presence of God's word in our life. Brothers and sisters, this is who you are. This is who you are. I often received, I was on the receiving end of this conversation with my father as a boy. When I did something that was dumb, something that was wrong, daddy would say, are you ignorant? And you couldn't win. You know, it was a lose-lose deal, right? So if you said no, then daddy's response was, then why do you do it? And if you say yes, daddy's response is, no, you're not, and that's why you're in trouble, because you know better than doing what you've done. Verses 12 through 14 are John's father-son talk 
with his congregation. You've done this thing, or you're doing these things, that are out of step with who you are. You know better. You ought to do better. And because of who you are, there's a higher standard, a higher expectation for you. You you are in Christ strong. You are in Christ, one within whom the word of God abides. You are in Christ, one who has received the forgiveness of your sin. You are in Christ, one who knows both the Father and the Son and are operating under the strength and influence of God's Holy Spirit. You are in Christ, one who has been guaranteed victory over the evil one. I was looking at this passage today, in the last few days. There, there are no groundbreaking truths here. Nothing here that I would think would be earth-shattering or shattering or revolutionary in your life. But the simple truths of this passage have the ability to minister strength and comfort and hope to the soul of God's people. Brothers and sisters, our sins are forgiven. We have found our place of safety, not in social distancing, but in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We have victory, come what may, through his shed blood. God's word abides. One of the ways that John seeks to minister to his people in 1 John, chapters 1 through 5, the whole book, is geared toward encouraging the people of God, encouraging his congregants, we should say, to evaluate themselves to see that they're in the faith. Brothers and sisters, I hope that through this, that through the days ahead, through all that's going on in the world around us, and I, I, hate, I hate to dwell there, the focus of our time is God's word, but, but I'm convinced that people are sensitive to their walk with Jesus or the absence of any real walk with Jesus. There ought, there ought to be a real craving to be together in the fellowship of God's people through these days and weeks. There ought to be a real longing to be brought near to Jesus given what's going on in the world around us. There ought to be a real sense in which we've been brought face to face with our own mortality, the promise of heaven and what awaits us there. If you find yourself this morning separate from the promises of our passage, apart from Jesus, run to him, run to him, run to him. Walk boldly, confidently in Christ. It's as though John were saying to us this morning, if you're just scared to death, given to a spirit of fear, this is who you are in Christ. If you cannot legitimately claim the promises of this passage for your life, it's a real cause for concern examine yourself and see that indeed you are in the faith. I want to lead us in a word of prayer and then we'll talk about responding appropriately to the gospel and the teaching of this text. But for a moment, let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and for its truth, for the chance that you've given us this morning to set aside the distractions of this world and to meditate on your word and the promises of the gospel. God, I pray that you would hide them away in our heart, that we might not sin against you, that we find here the food that we need for our soul, strength for today, and hope for tomorrow. God, I pray that you would, through the reading and study of your word, convince, rebuke, correct, 
reprove, that your will would be done in us. Lord, we trust the promise of your word, that it will not return void. Have your way in us, Lord Jesus. May your will be done here, even as it is in heaven. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I want you to know this morning that because of what God has done for us in Jesus, because he has looked upon us with great affection, he sent his only son, his perfect, sinless son into this world, that Christ has clothed himself in flesh, that he lived without sin an absolutely spotless, blameless, holy, perfect life, that the righteous requirement of every command of God was fulfilled in the life of Jesus, that Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. That the death of Christ on the cross was not just an example for some to follow after, an expression of how we ought to be willing to lay down our life for those around us. No, no, the death of Jesus was much more. Jesus died there not as an example, but as a substitute. The one who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus there at the cross in his own words drank the bitter cup of God's wrath against us the penalty for your sin and my sin by faith in Christ was paid at the cross through his death not only did Jesus live in perfect righteousness the life that we should have lived Jesus died in absolute misery the death that we deserve to die that his mangled body was taken down from the cross, carried outside the city of Jerusalem and buried in a borrowed grave. But on the third day, the Bible says that the stone was rolled away and many witnesses attest to this truth. The stone was rolled away and the once lifeless body of Jesus Christ began to breathe again. That those who would look upon him in faith might have forgiveness for their sin, the promise of everlasting life, the hope of God's mercy. Jesus, after his resurrection, met with his disciples, encouraged them. As many as 500 believers looked upon his resurrected body. He even ate breakfast by the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. Before ascending to the right hand of God in heaven, he charged his followers, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth as the power of God's Spirit comes upon you. We live this morning, we operate as followers of Jesus under that commission. The Bible says in Acts 2 that Peter began to preach the gospel in the presence of those gathered there in Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost and some 3,000 people came to faith that day. Peter gave the charge, repent and, and believe for the remission of your sins and many came to faith in Jesus. He expa- explained the clarion call of the gospel. He said the promise is to you, to your children and your children's children, to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And brothers and sisters, the promise is to you this morning to believe the promise of the gospel for the forgiveness of your sin. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. If I could sit with you face to face, kneecap to kneecap and eyeball to eyeball this morning, I'd share with you the promises of the gospel. And I'd plead. 
that before it is everlastingly too late, that you would look to Jesus for the grace and the mercy that can only, only, only be found in Him. And I tell you, there's a hope in Jesus. There's a hope in Jesus that nothing can put asunder. If you trust and believe in Christ today, if you put your faith in Him, would you connect with us and help us to, to help you in taking the next steps in your faith walk with Jesus? There, there are numbers on the screen. You can email. Many of you will have the, the ability through social media to reach out in a variety of different ways. We're going to be monitoring the comment section of this video. If you reach out to us in any way, virtually any way, we're going to be doing everything within our power to ensure that we're following up with you, showing you what the Bible says about the next steps in your journey with Jesus Christ. Now, and I ask you, with, with, with all of the sincerity and genuineness that I can muster in this format, I understand that this, these are not normal circumstances under which we're operating. Please, please reach out and afford us the opportunity to point you to God's Word and to help you to see the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of the gospel, and what we find here in Jesus Christ. I, I, I hope that from wherever you're watching, you're making new commitments to follow him faithfully. That this morning's service will be a, a time during which God calls new believers into the kingdom. A time when the church is revived and refreshed when we find within ourselves a firm resolve, a new resolve by the work of the Spirit to walk faithfully with our Savior. Would you join me in prayer once more? Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've provided us in Jesus. God, I, I pray that for our people, wherever they are this morning, God, that you would minister to them by the work of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that connect group meetings happening through Zoom and family rooms as families are gathered around a laptop or a television. God, that you would be pleased to grant a real sense of fellowship and community in spite of all that stands between us, that you would work and move among us, that the membership of Longview Point would understand the urgency of the hour. With all of the conveniences we usually enjoy stripped away, Lord, that, that they would beat back the darkness through the light of the gospel in whatever creative ways you may be pleased to reveal or bring to bear in their life and experience. Have your way in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're doing our best this morning to conduct a service that is as consistent with what we usually enjoy on the Lord's Day as we possibly can. It's, a, it's as I've said and will continue to say over the next several weeks, a really bad option. It's not a good idea to do church online. It's just not. In fact, it's a contradiction in terms. You can't have a gathering without gathering. But we're doing the best that we can to exercise the only real option that we have. This is the part of our service when under ordinary circumstances uh, we'd receive an offering, we'd call for the ushers to come, and uh, we'd pray and ask God to bless the gift that comes before us. Obviously, not being together, things are much, much different than they've been over the past years and the only experience that we really know. But I do want to encourage you, as you can, to continue to give over uh, the next weeks or whatever uh, this experience winds up being for us. I want you to know that ministry continues to move forward. 
that the vision and mission of Longview Point have not changed. We exist as a body to expand his kingdom across the street and around the world. And that means real needs for us. I, I won't be bashful in communicating that to you. You have a new online giving option, which is before you now. I hope that uh, you'll find that easy to use. It should be as simple as anything that you could, uh, any other method that you could use for giving. If you are accustomed to online giving as it has been formatted in the past, that continues to be available to you. That is before you now on the screen, I believe. If you're meeting with connect groups in person, this is something that we had planned prior to some of the stricter limitations uh, that the president, governor, and CDC uh, handed down with regards to group gathering sizes. But if you're meeting in a connect group of less than 10, I trust you're doing so with some social distancing measures in place and that you're taking all of the necessary precautions. We have um, encouraged and provided opportunity for our connect group leaders to receive an actual monetary or check offering within your groups. They have these little sealable bags that they'll be returning uh, to, church, to the church offices uh, the day after or on tomorrow, whenever it is that you meet together. So that's another avenue for you to be able to give. I want to encourage you to keep that up, to continue to give. And I want to promise you that we're going to continue to do the work of ministry over the days ahead. So I'd like to invite you now as you have an opportunity within your family, within your Connect meeting, whether that's happening in person or by Zoom, to uh, give a moment or two here to giving, to worship in the act of giving. And I want to lead us in a word of prayer and thanksgiving as we do. Let's pray. Lord, as we under quite unusual circumstances entrust these gifts into your hands, we ask that you would multiply them many times over. Lord, that you would use them, that the world would know that Jesus Christ is King. We ask it in, in his name. Amen and amen. As is often the case here for us, we're going to have a commissioning here at the end of our service. Uh, we're going to be commissioning missionaries, believe it or not, to go out into the service of the kingdom. I'm going to ask our associate pastor, Frank Peavy, to come and to lead us in that commissioning. Frank, would you come? It is indeed uh, my privilege uh, to have an opportunity to lead in this commissioning service today. It is our practice when we send out church planners, mission teams, missionaries, uh, whoever it might be, uh, that we commission them to the task that God's called them to. Uh, today, uh, we're going to commission you and me every one of us that are members here uh, in this local body of Christ known as Longview Point Baptist Church. We are definitely in a, a different time in our life. And uh, each one of us, when we go out the doors of this building every week, uh, we are going into our mission field. And we're going to challenge you to take that very seriously. Uh, it does not mean that we're going to ask you if you are vulnerable uh, that you put yourself in compromising situations, uh, but we're going to ask you to look for innovative ways and just seek God's leadership and how in the world can I impact my community? How can I impact lostness uh, during this very sensitive time in our history? You know, there are people that are confused. There are people that are concerned and afraid, and this may be the very time that they're open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, you may not be able to invite them to a worship service in this building, but you can point them to all of our social media uh, posts. You can point them uh, to our online service, and you may see that they will come and participate in that where they might not step into this building, if you will. And so uh, we want to continue to utilize the phone and anything that we can uh, to reach out to people that might uh, be open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe that the angels in heaven will rejoice regardless of whether someone's saved in this building or whether it's over the telephone or, heaven forbid, on Facebook. Uh, but we will be the church in this community, and that's what we're challenging each and every one of us as members of Longview Point to do, is to look for those innovative ways and as best as we possibly can Make a difference in the lives of those around us for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, indeed, we are grateful for your, pre your presence uh, here with us. We're grateful for your ongoing work and activity in our lives. We thank you for bringing into existence uh, this local body of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as we find ourselves in a situation that we have never experienced before, uh, that you will give us a, a boldness, that you'll give us courage, and that you'll put in our paths those people, whether it be through uh, some type of uh, media, whether it be over the telephone and text, whatever way it is, help us to be faithful to share the gospel uh, and to minister to those in need in ways that we possibly can. And we're going to trust you to work in a very special way as you draw people to yourself uh, as uh, they're looking for real truth and meaning and purpose to life. So, Father, we commit our lives to you as your missionaries in this community, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.